Man, we gotta start using Apple Cash. Okay, why? It's so easy and convenient. Apple Cash lives in messages. All right. So I can pay you in the convos we're already having. Not forget a payment or have money sitting somewhere just collecting dust. Oh, that is nice. And then you can use that cash right away and buy stuff like at a store with Apple Pay. I don't have to do all that bank transfer stuff. Nope. It's just right there. Easy, convenient, and secure. Did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? See how easy that was? Services are provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Terms apply. This podcast is brought to you by Kim Crawford Wines. Kim Crawford invites you to savor amazing with a chilled glass of New Zealand's finest. Named in the Wine Spectator Top 100 list four times. Every sip of Kim Crawford Sauvignon Blanc is filled with tropical fruit flavors like passion fruit and citrus to help you experience golden hour how you see fit. Visit KimCrawfordWines.com to learn more and find Kim Crawford Wine near you. Savor amazing. For those 21 and over, please savor responsibly. Constellation Imports, Rutherford, California. This episode is brought to you by PNC Bank, who believes some things in life should be boring, like banking. Because boring is safe and responsible, level-headed and wise. All things you want your bank to be. You don't want your bank to be cool or sexy. Sexy is for 80s hair bands, not banks. That's why PNC Bank strives to be boring with your money so you can be happily fulfilled with your life. PNC Bank, brilliantly boring since 1865. Brilliantly Boring Since 1865 is a service mark of the PNC Financial Services Group, Incorporated. PNC Bank, a national association, member FDIC. Hey, this is Annie. And Samantha. And welcome to Stuff I Never Told You, a production of iHeartRadio. So before we get into this one, I do want to put a trigger warning in here uh, for brief description of sexual assaults and definitely, uh, maybe, definitely, maybe, uh, definitely, maybe, listen to this one before letting younger folks hear it. And and this one is a bit of a, an emotional roller coaster, and I really want to emphasize this because I'm describing it as a reverse mullet. It's It's party in the front, but it's serious in the back. So uh, just, I want to put that in there because it's really goofy at first, but it does um, take on a darker tone when we talk about sexual assault because we're we're talking about sex words um, in here and writing about sex, which is something that's been on my mind for a while, and I'll explain why in a second. But all right, um, big question of the day. Samantha, have you ever written a sex scene? No. Uh, we talked about this a little earlier. Uh, I have never written a sex scene. If I ever write anything, it alludes to it and moves on. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, w- would you happen to have a favorite sex word or phrase? So, I I just really love the dumb stuff. So, mm. I don't really want to be too crass in, in things. So, I will say things like, I just want someone to lay on me. Yes. And that's that's like my comments. Like, well, I can't have to find someone to lay you on me. Just who wants to lay on me? And that's my sex phrase. Yes, I've heard you use that, and I <laughs> you're the only person I know who uses that. You're welcome. I think, yes. a, I think it was from a Sex in the City episode where she was just talking about she just needed physical contact. I'm like, yeah, that's exactly kind of it. I just I just need that. Like, just lay on me. <laughs> I mean, I like it. Simple. I've been told to it's point. not that sexy, but you know what. <laughs> hey, you don't always have to try to be sexy. 
And that's up, that's up for interpretation also. Right. Also, so because you have been talking about the fact that you have been trying and trying to decipher how to write a sex scene, what's appropriate and what's not, right, as well. So do you have a specific go-to phrase that you will put into your writing? <laughs> uh, no. But, um, so, I have not read a lot of sex scenes, but I... This is so hilarious to me because this almost, now that I think about it, is reflective of my real-life dating. A lot of times I read, yes, fan fiction, and I love, like, caring relationships. Mm -hmm. And I'm just innocently reading my non, what I think is non-romantic fan fiction, and then they're having sex. And I'm like, oh, my God. (laughs) Oh, so this was romantic. Um which is fine. And usually I can just skip those parts and just pretend. Or maybe sometimes I don't even pretend. I just don't particularly want to read it. Um, But I have noticed several phrases that people use when they uh, are writing those sex scenes. Um, (laughs) But I just say that because I feel like a lot of times I don't realize that I'm dating someone, at least in someone else's mind, until, oh, (laughs) oh, that's what you thought. Um, and in some of my extracurricular, uh, and I accidentally typed sextracurricular activities when I first oh. wrote this, and I was like, that is very appropriate. Um, I, Me and some friends are writing a, a really over-the-top fantasy erotic short story for D&D, for Dungeons & Dragons. So just let that sink in for a minute. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, this is not the most appealing thing to tell me about D&D as you are like, you would really like it. And I'm like, I don't think I do. Well, <laughs> I will say this is the first and probably only time I will feature this. <laughs> so I don't think you have to worry. It's it's a joke about, um, there's a running joke among a lot of my coworkers that my old fan fiction name used to be August Wind. Mm-hmm. Um, so... The, the character in this campaign, August Wind, uh, wrote some very steamy fan fiction about her uh, soon-to-be husband, lead singer of Dreadnought, E-Cubed. So there's a lot going on here. <laughs> there's so many things happening. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, I try to make it all personal and uh, make something people will enjoy. But anyway, as we've been writing this, uh, it, I was just struck by how many silly words and euphemisms there are for sex. And I got to wondering if they're only silly because we have so many hangups about sex or if they're just silly and we're chosen because we have so many hangups about sex. Because some of them, I mean, definitely we can't put them all in the same box, right? But some of them are definitely just silly. They have right. to be. They have to be. And talking about sex is really awkward. Not always, but a lot of the time, especially in perhaps more prudish uh, societies like the United States in particular areas. Um, And that means writing about it is awkward. Also not always, but a lot of the time. And throughout history, we've come up with a lot of ways to be more indirect about it, to kind of, I would guess, to ease the blow or, I don't know, make it sound less vulgar or... Because when you think about it, it it's kind of strange what's going on, right? (laughs) What your bodies are doing. But anyway, uh, I do think a lot of them are funny on purpose to lighten up this often taboo topic. And it is, sex is, again, generalizations, often a very vulnerable experience. And so kind of making it more palatable, talking about it and writing about it with humor. 
And yes, a lot of the way we talk about sex puts men in the active position, like words like penetrate and women in the passive position. Um, we talked about that a little bit in our interview with Amanda uh, about Word Slut, her book Word Slut. And she has a fantastic chapter, by the way, on sex words and all the different words we have for the vagina and penis. Um, so if you haven't checked that out, go check it out. But now um, I have a list of sex words and I thought, Samantha, you could do me the honor of uh, reading them. Uh, So I actually, when she was writing, uh, when we were talking about doing this and writing it, I didn't realize what was happening. (laughs) Uh (laughs) And so I wasn't quite prepared. And I'm like, wait, what are you doing? What's happening? What are we talking about? And she's like, oh, I'm going to make you say all of these things because... It's not necessarily that I'm embarrassed by them, but it's just so over the top that it's just like, oh my God, eye roll. Like when it's so overplayed. Right. So just like anything erotic and erotica to me is like, really? Mm-hmm. Just call it what it is. But yeah, <laughs> so I will read this off. But I will tell you as I'm looking at this, I, the one scene from 10 Things I Hate About You, oh, uh, in which uh, the teacher or the principal is writing her uh, romance novel, and uh-huh. she's stuck on the phrase undulating. Member. Oh, yeah. I've, I've bulging, seen that one. Bulging member. Uh-huh. And then, of course, uh, Julia Stiles walks off with quivering member. So, <laughs> all of the, the, just like the level and the, the oh, polarity of it all. So, uh-huh. the Sapphire section is dedicated to penis. The penis is this, this, this. So, of course, member, as I said, mm-hmm. boner, cock, dick. Balls, manhood, and shaft. Which I've seen shaft in so many romance novels when I was a yeah. teenager sneaking in looking at people's romance novels. Shaft and manhood. Yeah. I just oh, never yeah. was like, why can't they just call it a penis? I don't understand. <laughs> um, then the vagina, which is lacking, by the way, is vulva and vagina. I've also heard cave. Oh, whoa. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are definitely a lot more, but I don't see them come up in... Or at least in the way people write about sex. Like, there are definitely way more names for the vagina, but I feel like they don't come up. It's usually really vague. Right. It's always vague. They don't really say vagina. Yeah. They'll say... Yeah, like cave or like her garden. (laughs) I've heard it called slit, and that makes me so angry. No. Sorry, y'all. Sorry. Yeah. I really hope children aren't listening. Don't listen to this. Um, And for sex, uh, oh, yeah. F***ing. Uh-huh. And of course, making love, which actually that one makes me cringe more than anything else. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. Um, afternoon delight. <laughs> well, that's such a 1960s, 70s type of <laughs> reference. Diddling, diddling, uh-huh. deflowering, motorboating, which I don't think that's the same context, but yes. Teabagging, <laughs> which I've actually heard in more reference to men doing that to other men yeah. as being funny. So that's the whole thing too, by the way. Yeah. Uh, shagging. That's a good one. Mm-hmm. Humping, bang, bed, or bang in bed to bed someone. Yes. yes. And to lay with. That's very biblical. Lay with in the yeah. biblical sense. Of course. Uh, a bonus historical ones. Mate the beast with two backs. That's gross. Thank you very much for that one. <laughs> Make feet for children's socks. I've never uh. heard that one. That's really gross too. The service of Venus. Play nugga nug. <laughs> what? Uh, leather, like labor leather. That's mm-hmm. good. Have your crown. Wait, have your corn ground. Okay. Play itchy buttocks. <laughs> what? Make whoopee and horizontal refreshment. Thanks 
Okay, thanks to the bustle, I guess, for the list. Check it out for more and historical explanations on the bustle site. They have a whole article on it, which is hilarious. Yes. Oh, it's yes. Ridiculous. Um, I kind of want to say play itch buttocks. <laughs> Let's play itch buttocks. <laughs> I'm going to say that to someone. I don't know who. Oh, God. <laughs> Tell me how it goes. <laughs> going to get turned in for sexual harassment. <laughs> Will they know? They just know it's dirty and they'll just give you that. What just happened? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'll let you know. I'll, I'll I guess I guess we didn't talk about buttocks either because that is something I struggle with when I am writing sex scenes, which doesn't happen often. But because ass sounds so strange, mm-hmm. and buttocks sounds way too clinical, and butt buttocks. sounds goofy. I've heard um, it just being like it's so weird. Rear end, <laughs> behind, behind. They're behind. Yeah, I just Caress feel like there's not behind. a really good word. Kadunkadunks. Oh, that will definitely add a, a layer of seriousness. Let me to let me squeeze scene. those kadunka dunks. <laughs> that's not that's not. We're a good gonna one. get turned in ourselves. About the- <laughs> <laughs> it's good thing everything's remote and no one's leaving their home, so all good, y'all. <laughs> the listeners are gonna write in and be like, "I feel harassed." <laughs> I feel like this is too much. Um, and then the assorted. Gonna oh, read okay. that one. I guess so, because this is already making me blush. And I'm, I'm not a blusher. Uh-huh. Aching. Uh-huh. Moist. Ample grind. The rock. A rock. Which, by the way, that's kind of the whole, like, member, bulging yeah. member thing. Thrust, mm-hmm. tantalize, tease, stroke, seduce, need? That's need. Not, I heard need. That just sounds painful. Mm. Tug, cup, yank. Arouse, ravish, <laughs> pleasure. You're turning so red right now. I know. Y'all, she's, I'm not the one turning red. She's. She wrote this. I did. And she's turning red. Um, <laughs> ravish, pleasure, blowing, climax, swelling, moan, gyrate. It looks like you're about to try to plug your ears, by the way. <laughs> Grind, grope, fondle, probing, pucker, release, intimate, intoxicating. Hard, rub, explore, seed, writhe, tight, which I hate that one, throb, suck, and a million more. Oh, yeah, I feel, I, someone's going to call HR on me. This is, you, you set me up. <laughs> it was a setup. <laughs> you set me oh, up. Oh, man. <laughs> oh, it's, you are so red right now. This I is am, hysterical. I am. So I found a list of, I think it was a thousand words to help you write a sex scene. Mm. So I just included... Um, some of the more common ones. And I picked a lot of them because if you're like me, you are both blushing and laughing. Um, but if you think about it, most of these words are innocuous. Like you can use them in other instances right. outside of sex. It's just in the context of the sexual context. That's right. when they become funny. And that's the point I'm trying to make is like, <sighs> some of these words are outright silly, but some of them, it's clear we just are... Kind of uncomfortable talking about sex. And writing about sex. And writing about sex. And talking about it. And then your face is bright red. It is very, very red. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and a, sw- a quick switch. A quick switch. Uh, so um, this is something that's been on my mind for a while. This is where the dark part of the episode comes in. So if you don't want to hear it, you can click away. You can leave on that happy note and you'll be totally good. If you've got a really um, funny saying, please send that to us. Yes, yes. I if you have funny words or phrases you particularly like. Um, so I've been curious about writing about rape because on a darker note, yeah, as someone who has been sexually assaulted, I do often write about it. 
um, both fictionally and as uh, sometimes, but much more rarely, nonfiction as a way to work through all the stuff I'm trying to work through. And it's been hugely therapeutic, but also the source of a lot, a lot of shame. And honestly, me telling you this is huge because it's something I've been so ashamed of for so long. The first time I told someone, I sobbed and sobbed and sobbed and sobbed. And I felt so vulnerable and scared. And I was thinking about why would that be? And I, the answer is it's complicated. Um, but when I was young, I had written this like extremely clunky and I'm sure terribly bad romance. And it did have some, it didn't have sex, but it had some foreplay. And one of my abusers found it and he read it aloud in front of people. And I was so, so embarrassed. And later he would use it as proof that I wanted to have sex. And that really, really messed with my head. Um, and that's why I burned. Everyone's like, why did you burn everything you wrote in high school? That's why. <laughs> I didn't want anybody to find it. Um, and also when I was young, but a lot older than that particular instance, I had friends say that they uh, refused to read anything with rape in it, particularly in fan fiction, because they find it disgusting. And now what they're talking about, or at least what I interpret as what they meant, is a different issue. And that's the romantization of rape, which in fan fiction is sometimes called dubcon, dubious consent, or non-con, non-consent that a lot of young girls and some women engage in in their writing. And there's a lot to unpack there. And a lot of that is for a different episode. I do think there is a level of working through issues around sex in that too, um, around feeling as though girls and women can't consent, even if they want to, of internalizing damaging messages in our media around what is romantic and what sex is. And all of this is complex and dangerous when simplified. Um, but the blanket statement is, my friends made me feel like what I was doing was disgusting and wrong, even though I've never published any of this and I don't intend to. I don't plan to share it. Um, there's only one that I thought maybe, but uh, in general, no. <laughs> uh, and another thing, one time when I was at Dragon Con, there was this panel of women authors, I think, and it was about how to write a compelling narrative. And one of the female authors, I think, she said, if a book has a rape scene in it, she throws it across the room because it's trash. And again, I get what she's saying. I think um, that if you're writing about rape in this romanticized way, usually by men, but not always, not always, um, or even a graphic way that doesn't serve the story, that that's not good art um, and damaging, perhaps. And this goes back to the whole idea of what we talked about and what is and what should be. But it was another thing that made me feel like I was really messed up and disgusting and something was wrong with me. Um, but... I think the source of a lot of my shame is that writing is something I want to do and I enjoy. So if I get some form of enjoyment out of writing these dark, painful stories, then what does that say about me? Um, not that they're super graphic at all, um, but writing it down, even just the, the fact that I wrote it down makes me feel really conflicted. And sometimes I feel so much guilt at putting fictional characters through stuff <laughs> that I'll just delete something. I'll just like on impulse delete it. Um, or I even wrote a story about an alternate universe where one version of me was never assaulted and her world collided with a version of me that had. And she had to decide whether or not to practice empathy. And in the end, she did it. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> um, right. I think there's a lot to be said about how we view trauma. Again, this is that same narrative. What we're talking about, it's not a one-size-fit-all. Yeah. Um, and what you, and I've talked to people about just content in general, and you are doing this for your own. If it's released to the public, the public feel like they own it. Right. And so there's that whole like 
pick and choose point of like who has ownership of it and who has the right to do however and interpret however. So there's a whole lot of complications when it comes to art, when it comes to uh, personal art, and when it comes to in fame, I guess is the way to say it, mm-hmm. uh, or notoriety at all. And then on top of that, just the mere guilt of surviving whatever it may be. So I think there's a lot of like narratives in this conversation because for me, it's never been a question as much as I do write. My writing has always had a small part of my stuff, but I had a lot more to do with the trauma that I've seen in other clients. Yeah. But I still step away from any sexual content because I am so, so uh, over the top concerned about that for myself and just what is sexualized and Mm -hmm. how it is perceived. And yeah, it's that narrative of like, okay, what we've seen and how we see it is this BDSM level of entertainment. And, yeah. and though BDSM can be enjoyed in, in consenting adults, it's fantastic, but to be used as a form of control for others. There's a new Netflix show that has been released that has like a BDSM theme to it, I believe. Mm-hmm. And it kind of has that same narrative. And people are very upset because they feel like this gives permission and gives this false reality that that's yeah. what women want. But so it is. It's this romanticizing of force and rape and why in this culture, why it's important to see who is telling that story and why it's important for that story to be told and how. But yeah, it's yeah. a really complicated conversation. It is. And I, I would love to come back and talk about it more um, with with research and stuff. This is just something that I've been dealing with a lot. And um there is a lot of conversation as well uh, about um, writing about rape professionally or even talking about it professionally. Um, the argument of using victim versus survivor, the prevalence of using passive voice, um, the ethics of writing about it at all, and who controls the narrative. So there is a lot, a lot we could talk about there, and I would love to return to it. And um, yeah, thanks for just thanks for letting me share. I feel like it's a big thing. It is. It is. And I hope that some other people who maybe feel guilt about writing about their own experiences, maybe it makes them feel less alone. Yeah. Um, so that was our... And yes, listeners, you are not alone. No, you're not. And and I appreciate... We appreciate it so much that you listen and that we can have these connections with you. Um and uh, this was our reverse mullet episode. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you do, if you do have a sex word or phrase that you love to use or you think it's just really funny that we didn't mention, oh my gosh, please send them in. Please, please, please. Uh, our email is stuffmediamomstuff at iheartmedia.com. You can also find us on Twitter at momstuffpodcast or on Instagram at stuff I've never told you. Thanks as always to our super producers, Andrew Howard and JJ Posway. Sorry, guys. Yes, sorry, and thank you. Uh, and thanks to you for listening. <laughs> Stuff Mom Never Told You is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. This podcast is brought to you by Kim Crawford Wines. 
Kim Crawford invites you to savor amazing with a chilled glass of New Zealand's finest. Named in the Wine Spectator Top 100 list four times, every sip of Kim Crawford Sauvignon Blanc is filled with tropical fruit flavors like passion fruit and citrus to help you experience golden hour how you see fit. Visit KimCrawfordWines.com to learn more and find Kim Crawford Wine near you. Savor amazing. For those 21 and over, please savor responsibly. Constellation Imports, Rutherford, California. This episode is brought to you by PNC Bank, who believes some things in life should be boring, like banking. Because boring is safe and responsible, level-headed and wise. All things you want your bank to be. You don't want your bank to be cool or sexy. Sexy is for 80s hair bands, not banks. That's why PNC Bank strives to be boring with your money so you can be happily fulfilled with your life. PNC Bank, brilliantly boring since 1865. Brilliantly Boring Since 1865 is a service mark of the PNC Financial Services Group, Incorporated. PNC Bank National Association, member FDIC. The state of Tennessee is one of the few places where the sounds are just as breathtaking as the sights. Whether that's live music at a historic music venue, the crack of an open fire at a campsite in the wilderness, or hearing kids laughing as they explore what's right around the bend, Tennessee just sounds perfect. Start planning your trip at tnvacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect. 